Good evening. I'm, uh, I'm thankful the weather is finally starting to cool down consistently. Big guy like me, summer's always kind of unpleasant, but I'll just tell myself next summer it's an excuse to lose some weight. I'll remind myself next summer for the next year, too. All right, well, if you guys would join me, we're going to be seeing uh, Creating Me a Clean Heart.
just the other night, we washed the carpet. And when we wash the carpet, it's always a bear. We got a special one that's got Velcro things on the bottom. It takes me two hours to put the thing back together again. And I'm always very frustrated with the designers of the carpet and frustrated with the carpet itself. And in the middle of that, this is what comes to mind. It may seem like it's not a big deal, and it's not as big a deal as some other people are struggling with, but that's what I was struggling with the other night, and that's where I needed God. And he was there, ready for me to listen. And that's one of the reasons I love this song, is he's always there, always ready for whatever struggle we're going with. We're going to sing Bow the Knee now. What a privilege to come into God's presence Just to linger with the one who set me free As I lift my eyes and see his awesome glory I remember who he is and bow the knee Bow the knee, bow the Uh, so 
you know, it's going to be a lot for them. So if you would pray for the Bill Rice Ranch, I know they'd appreciate it. What do you have for us? Someone is texting probably a prayer request and probably not. Um, oh, yes, it is from Janet Murray. Um, I'm home running a fever under the weather. Please pray that I bounce back quickly. Thank you, Miss Jeanette. Praying for you, Miss Jeanette. I'm assuming she's watching and that's why she's texting. Uh, somebody else have a prayer request for us. Miss Rita. for Miss Mary. She has uh, had COVID, which gave her pneumonia. COVID pretty much cleared up, but gave her pneumonia and uh, staph infection. Those are pretty much cleared up, but now there's an infection in the blood that they're trying to deal with, and she's trying to figure out if she's going home or to a rehab facility. So pray for uh, Miss Mary. Yes. Two unspokens. And uh, then... I don't know if one of those is for Miss Susan, but I'll mention Miss um, Susan is is uh, Eden Solaric's teacher at Suburban. Uh, she's having some pretty substantial surgeries, uh, three phases of it. So just pray for her recovery. We're uh, not simply not announcing because kids. Uh, she's really the kindergarten. They're just really trying to protect kids. It's just it could be serious. So just uh, pray for. Uh, Susan Gard, I know that she would appreciate Miss Gard, appreciate your prayers. I just have a big praise. Um, Grace got a job selling Mellon College. She said, You're a good job. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord for that. Drake got a job, a good job, and uh, we're just praising the Lord for how the Lord's working in his life. Pray for all of our kids. They're going back to school. Some are graduating. Some are uh, figuring out what their what life is going to be for them. So just pray for all of them. Brian? Andrea's CT scan is tomorrow. Okay. Miss Andrea's CT scan is tomorrow, and that's a significant scan. So pray for uh, results for that. Miss Rita, again? Oh my goodness. She still hasn't had that baby? When was, when was she due? She is due September 8th. Okay, I thought she was due last week. I'm sorry. All right, so uh, pray for Miss Hannah as well. She's Karen had, was in a car accident. Let me say this all again so uh, we make sure everybody caught that. Karen was in a car accident, uh, rear ended, and she's hurt her back, trying to get ready for her wedding. And uh, so pray for that. And then Miss Hannah is uh, 
still pregnant and waiting to have uh, this little one, so pray for them. Uh, should she do uh, sometime next week officially? So, uh, Miss Adley. For a while, I guess, and yeah, and they found his body. So uh, in Whiteland, so uh, pray for that family. And then um, one of Natalie's co-workers, I think last week or two weeks ago, you brought her for prayer, and and uh, so she's taking the last vacation with her family, trying to just get some things in. And she's got a lot of heart issues going on right now. So uh, pray for them. Does Steve? that one, Jack Crane, brain tumor in Arizona, inoperable, but they're trying to treat with medication, but he's not doing well, and the other one was? Tom Lane Goldsmith used to go to Lighthouse. Do they still? Do you know? Do they still go to Lighthouse? They moved to Florida. Okay. Okay. Right. And uh, their grandson was stabbed and killed on Monday here in Indianapolis. Pray for Indianapolis. I mean, we're we're a mess, and that's what happens when you put people who lack morality in charge. I'm just being honest. You know, this is where we are. Every major city in America is going the same direction. And when you erase the moral compass... The soldiers. I know, the soldiers. Now, I say all of that to remind you all of something I tell your teenagers all the time. You know, if you're not at a bar at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, your chances of being murdered go down incredibly. <laughs> you understand? So, I mean, all of the people we just talked about, the four murders over the weekend in Indianapolis, all were after midnight when people were where they shouldn't be, when they shouldn't be there, with people they shouldn't be hanging out with. And that's a good lesson for your teenagers, right? Also found in Proverbs chapter 7. So, just so you know. Oh, that's not my sermon, so no, you don't get off that easy. But <laughs> Dealing with people who have a loss, as a general statement, spouse of many years or 
Uh, I think I told you guys about the waitress that we ran into at, um, at um, Uno's, and she had lost her son several years ago. And so I, I have a habit of saying, you know, how can we pray? For, we're going to pray in just a minute for our food. It's something we can pray for you about to the waitress. And she just teared up and was like, yes, the anniversary of my son's death is coming up, and we celebrate it every year uh, with a remembrance. And uh, she said, you know, it's getting harder because he was a teenager, and, but all the teenagers that used to come every year are all now growing up and moving on with their lives, which is what they should do. And for her, though, it's she feels like that he's being forgotten. And so then just... To, as a follow-up to that, just uh, last week, or I think it was last week, Andrew and Brett and I went over there, and she waited on our table. And I I said, I think that we prayed for you the last time I was here, and because uh, you'd lost your son. And she, yes, and so then we started to, but it's a great opportunity to witness. When when you ask us, heck, you know, we're going to pray in a minute, can we pray for you? It just does open up a door. But, yeah, that's it's tough to talk to people about losses in general, you know, so... You remember as we were helping uh, Brandon and Olivia, and still are, but, you know, the multitude of losses they were going through, it's hard to know what to say, you know? Um, so, you know what most people do? Don't say anything. <laughs> and I always tell people, you know, uh, they know that they've lost their spouse, so you bringing it up doesn't change that, right? They know it. So, uh, what? but I'm reminded that by this waitress, just the fact that you remember it means something, you know. Uh, so anyway, just that's my little hint to you. But yeah, keep praying for that. That's two sermons, and we still haven't gotten the real one yet. So anybody else? Yes. Yep. Uh, Suburban's having the spiritual emphasis week, which we always host. So tomorrow is our host of the spiritual emphasis day. And we run basically a TNT program several times over. They'll play two or three sets of games and things like that. This year's a little different because uh, Suburban's grown. They have 600 students this year. And in the high school, that's 100, high school and junior high, that's 160, 158 students coming. So that's 60 more students than they had last year that came to our event. So um, we can handle it. We do 150 teenagers, so it's not like we're unaccustomed to it. But... It does just change the the concept of it. So if anybody has nothing to do tomorrow, you just want to come hang out and and uh, help out, I'm sure. Honestly, we don't do anything. We run the game. Suburban does the food and all that kind of stuff and the services. But, you know, if you want to hang out and help out, I'm sure that somebody will put you to work. It's not a problem. Anybody else? Yes, Ms. Katie. Is it retina or is it macular degen? Okay. Right, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin's mom having eye issues related to diabetes, and I'm repeating this for everybody online, so. 
Let's pray. Father, it is a joy to be able to be here, to be refreshed through your word and through the fellowship of your people, to be able to bring our petitions before you and be confident that you're a God who cares and who hears each and every one of our heart's burdens, and you respond in a loving, gracious, merciful way. God, we we call upon your grace and your mercy today in the lives of many people that are struggling and suffering and and uh, facing things that they might be afraid uh, of and uh, issues that they have to deal with. God, we pray that you would uh, show yourself strong in each and every circumstance, that you would teach us uh, how to uh, come alongside and uh, be a blessing and and use these circumstances to help point people to Jesus and pray that you would uh, just work in hearts, uh, be with the event tomorrow, that uh, things would go well, no one would get hurt, and that we would just uh, be able to see your word go forth and, and the wonderful things accomplished. Uh, we ask that uh, you would uh, be with our college students as they're facing decisions, that you'd watch over them as they're uh, taking off and entering new classes. Keep them uplifted and, and don't let them get discouraged and homesick and things like that. And we ask you to be with our Awana as it's up and running again, the meeting and Teenagers, they're meeting in other parts of the building. College students, they're meeting. Bless those uh, programs as well. Meet with us. Help us to grow in your grace. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have a missionary with us tonight, one of our own, Dennis Hazelwood. And he wants to give us an update because some good things have been going on. So, Brother Dennis, come on. So, uh, I'll start out. Excuse me. You know, God, God's faithful, and uh, he knows what he's doing. And so the offer that we had on our house here is no longer on the table. So the house is still, we're showing it to different people. So uh, whoever wants to come look at it. Oh, is that right? Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll answer every call I get. So... So, uh, but anyway, but God nonetheless is, is blessing, and if nothing else, you know, he's definitely teaching us that, uh, you know, we're, we're trusting in him. I mean, without without a doubt, and that, I mean, you know, we've, he's, he's done so much for us, so that I'm, we're not worried about it, um, but we are praying about it, and we do still covet your prayers. So we went to Missouri uh, after that. And uh, we were putting offers in on different homes, and uh, we do not have a home as of yet. However, uh, while we were there, and I did get to meet with the post chaplain on uh, Fort Leonard Wood, and uh, it was a great meeting. Um, how many of you know that uh, Fort Leonard Wood had a Christian Servicemen Center 20 years ago? I learned that. I did not know that. And uh, they were they were doing an incredible ministry and had a huge like campground a resort place and that and they'd get upwards to a hundred plus of the soldiers there. So as we're talking to the post chaplain and that, you know, we we're going to fill out paperwork and packet and all that to be able to do the things and present the ministry and all that. And he just for he forewent all that stuff. He's like, We know what the Christian Servicemen Center is because of this twenty years ago. He said, we know what that ministry, and we welcome that, and we're excited about you coming on ground. So, and uh, they have opportunity for teaching the Bible and that, <clears throat> which they want me to participate in and 
and Diana to address some of the ladies on a Tuesday. And um, so that was a, a tremendous blessing to, to hear that. So, And that gives us connection with the soldiers and that, as well as they will take everything that we're doing and present it uh, to the soldiers and put it out there, as well as uh, they're going to put all the chaplains together and allow us to address all the chaplains because, you know, every battalion, brigade, every level has chaplains and so that we have their contact information because we have free reign on the installation being retirees. So um, so anyway, it's just a tremendous open door that God has just taken care of there as well as uh, meeting the secretary who is the gatekeeper for all the, the chaplains and everything there on the installation. And... Uh, and so from Missouri, then, uh, we went down to uh, Louisiana. And uh, uh, um, how many know uh, Dr. Uh, Pat Gordon? He's the missionary. Uh, he, he teaches missions at uh, Indiana Baptist College. And so, uh, but anyway, he's, he's really been helping Diane and I with some meetings and things like that. And, and this particular church in Louisiana, it's Greenwood Hills Baptist Church. And... Uh, the pastor called me, and they have a missions conference, and they needed to fill that in the same place as Don and Hannah were going to be. And so, uh, but anyway, and he said that uh, he invited us, and we said, yeah, yeah, we'd be glad to do that. And then he said, now I want to make sure, and uh, he said, now we are going to take you on for support, and that, so I want to make sure, are you sure you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, anyway, that was a tremendous blessing. Um, we were down there a week, and the speaker, uh, Brother Chris Bluto, he's a missionary of 24 years in Wales. Prior to that, he retired Air Force. Uh, but anyway, he told us about his sending church, which was Shady Grove Baptist Church, just 20 miles down the road from where we're at. And so he said, call my pastor, and, uh, Pastor Nick Sorrell, and, uh, and just tell him about your ministry and that. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, so I called him, and it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I mean, the guy just, like, he's actually kind of rough <laughs> initially, and uh, said, uh, who are you? And I told him, and I told him about the ministry and that, and he said, oh, okay, well, we have a, pro a process and a procedure that we do, and this and that and the other, and uh, and I think he was in a, a meeting or something. But anyway, uh, and he said, just send me your stuff. He gave me his email address, and I sent it to him. And I talked to Brother Bluto the next day, and he says, how'd that go with the pastor? I told him what I just told you. And he's like, hmm, well, okay. You know, so, but anyway, the missions conference went great. It was an incredible blessing. At the end of that, uh, he asked us what we were doing Sunday night because uh, the Sunday at the missions conference was a morning service and then 2 o'clock service. So we, uh, he invited us to the church, and we went to Shady Grove Baptist Church. pastor came up, asked who I was, and I told him who I was, and he recognized my name. Then he just starts interviewing me, and he starts asking, you know, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, yeah, and, you know, King James, and, I mean, all these questions and that. And then he started asking where we've been for deputation and come to find out, you know, Dr. Mickey Carter in Haines City, Florida, Landmark Baptist Church, we know them, and he knew our pastor in Lakeland, and um, as well as uh, other people, you know. Uh, so he was pretty excited by this point, and he says, you know what? He said, I'm going to let you present tonight. And then uh, he's like, uh, are you ready? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So anyway, he goes up to uh, uh, the service starts. He goes up to and he starts talking about a missionary to the military that's here. And, 
And uh, he says, uh, and he was excited. He said, I think we ought to support them. And that, and then he started telling a little bit about it. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to, Brother Hazelwood, come on up. So I went up there, and uh, and it's the shortest presentation I've ever made. I mean, it was five minutes or less. It really was. But got everything in there and told him what the ministry was and everything. And then Pastor gets up there after I get done, and I'm walking down. Diane and I are sitting right up here in the front pew. And he said, we need to support this brother. And he says, and if we're not going to support him, uh, the church is not going to support him, I'm going to support him. And then he took it to a vote. And uh, as I'm walking down, yays, and I heard yays, and I heard nays. Okay, it's unanimous. There you are, brother, $100 a month as I sat down. <laughs> I, so I was like, wow, you know, I'm just, and I'm praising the Lord. I mean, it's just, it's incredible what God is doing and how he's doing. If you could do that for an hour, you'd be me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I just, you know, so um, we, we did that. Uh, God really blessed there. And, uh, but we are going to Missouri, even though the offer is off the table now. While we were in Louisiana, Pastor and, and I, you know, this is my pastor, but pastor, our pastor in uh, Landmark in uh, Rala, he calls me while we're down in Missouri, uh, excuse me, um, Louisiana. And <clears throat> he says, I got a pastor friend that called me. And he is, he's in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, so they're it's hours away. And he says his aunt passed and he's got this house that he wants to rent. And oh, and it happens to be on 140 acres. And so he said, are you wanting, you know, would you be? I said, yeah, of course, you know. So uh, anyway, so he, we, he makes the connection and everything. And while we're coming home, I make contact with the guy. And he wants to do like $600 a month and utilities. And, uh, and I mean, God is just, so as soon as we empty out this house, we're heading to Missouri. And he's sending us pictures tomorrow and Friday, and we're going to go ahead and sign the papers or whatever we need to do. And it's it's renting until we can find a house there, and it gives us on ground, and it also helps us to look for a home and to really pray and see where God wants us to have this Christian service and center and that. So God is just all over it, and, and I just give God the glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. We like hearing good, exciting news, so... Wanted to give Brother Dennis a chance to share that. All right, so today we're going to... So my uh, my format of this has always been really just to kind of whet your appetite for the Old Testament uh, a little bit. So this is really my last week, uh, starting next week. We're in September, and and uh, we're going to give September to Captain Bly and then just kind of work ourselves through then. So I'm going to just... This is a speed course. You got it? We're going to take off and just go through the rest of the Old Testament. But uh, as we've been looking at this concept, uh, we've been looking at two things. Uh, and that is God revealing himself, right? That's the whole of the Bible. Is really comes down to two major themes. One is God telling us who he is and telling us about himself. God's desire is for us to get to know him. God does not need to get to know us. Do you understand that? He already knows us. He knows us more than we know us. So it's not like God has to get acquainted with us. God wants us to get acquainted with him. And so the whole of the scripture is about really two major themes. One is 
God saying, here's what I am, here's who I am, here's what I'm like, here's, here's what I'm about. Uh, and then the second thing is redemption, is that, you know, since Genesis chapter 3, when man fell and God is initiated uh, the first mention of the, his redemption plan, it's been throughout the scripture. All of the scripture really is either telling us who God is or pointing us to Jesus. We're actually doing both simultaneously, right? Uh, I said to you two or three weeks ago when we were introducing this, uh, someone, I, I would give credit to who it was, but I have no idea who it was. Uh, it's an old, old saying, longer than I've been around probably, but uh, uh, it is cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. And the idea is that it's always talking about the blood of Jesus. It's always talking about the redemption plan. So cut the Bible anywhere, you see the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's because the Bible has two major themes here. So what I want to do today is kind of just rush us through that Old Testament and uh, help you to establish the idea that I want to go back and read the Old Testament again and read it perhaps in a different way. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to read it with just two thoughts in mind. One, what does God tell me about himself? And two, where do I see Jesus in this, in this reading? There's a lot of other stuff in the Old Testament, a lot. Some of it gets to where it's really difficult to understand. I mean, it's difficult to understand for Bible scholars, so you and I struggle, right? When you get to uh, Ezekiel and you see the, uh, the wheel in the middle of the wheel and you see all of these things that are going on there, it's like, woo, okay. Uh, and people have taken that to all kinds of extremes, right? People, some people read Ezekiel and see UFOs. Uh, and it's crazy what some people can do with that, right? So I'm just asking you, let's, let's just go through a reading of the Old Testament in which we ask two major questions. What do I learn about God, and what does this show me about Jesus? Because those are the two primary themes of the whole of the Scripture, right? Of the whole of the Scripture, uh, Revelation and Redemption. So... Uh, we're going to kind of work us through that. Now, that being said, I encourage you at the beginning of this to uh, work on memorizing the Old Testament books. And I said, we try to do this together. Well, we're not going to try to do this together at this point. So you're on your own. Uh, but uh, you've got to work on that, right? Just memorize the Old Testament. Pastor, I'm too old to memorize. No, you're not. You are not too old to memorize. I can prove it. You've already figured out the new Kroger and how the layout is. You memorize that easily enough. No one... You've already figured out the other way to get to work around all the construction. Everybody, no, you, you understand? We, we memorize what's important to us. That's the point. We, you know, when's the last time you said, I'm sorry, you can't have any more grandbabies because I can't remember names anymore? No, no, we don't do that, right? That's not what we do. We're like, when's the next one coming? That's what I'm saying right now. But anyway, uh, so uh, if you want to see pictures, I'll be glad to say. But uh, anyway, um, so... We memorize what's important. I'm going to just encourage you to do that memory work, but that's, you're going to be on your own for that. So here we are. Let's run through it. Revelation and Redemption in the books of the law. These are the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, God, of course, but by Moses' hand. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those first five books of the Bible, which we did work on together. Uh, so in these, as a general quick, quick uh, statement, we already looked at Genesis. We see God as a creator. We see Jesus, the seed of a woman, which is going to be important. You're going to see that importance again a little later on. And then, of course, we see the great picture of Jesus in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 in a little story of Noah and the ark, right? And we see that wonderful redemption that God offers uh, to get on the ark and be rescued from the judgment that is to come. And uh, so it's just 
all of now we could go to other things in Genesis that are pointing us to Jesus, but uh, here we have these two uh, these these big things that are sticking out at us. Then we get to Exodus. If you can't see Jesus in the Passover Lamb of Exodus, you're not paying attention. I mean, Jesus from Exodus, actually before that, from Genesis all the way through the Scripture is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. When John the Baptist saw Jesus at the opening of Jesus' ministry, when John was baptizing him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Then you get over to Revelation, that great crowning moment in Revelation chapter 4, when John the Apostle uh, is caught up into, the, into heaven and uh, then the book is brought out. Do you remember that story? And the book is brought out and the book is sealed. And they looked and there was no one worthy to open the book. And John fell on his face and began to weep because if the book cannot be opened, we don't get in. Do you understand how this works? If the book cannot be opened and it's sealed and the angel comes up and says, John, weep not, for behold, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, is worthy to open the book. Wow, that's Jesus throughout the whole of the, of the Bible. It's really set up there in, in Exodus, the great story of the Passover lamb. So uh, take and get a chance to read through that Passover again. It's, it's a great thing. Has anybody gone through a Passover service? Years ago I did one, and I'm so embarrassed. Do you remember that? Do you guys remember when we did that? Uh, I I thought it was really something, you know, but I, I did such a horrible job on that. Uh, but we, we had, our old building had a little bitty upstairs. It was literally what was once the hayloft, but it's not there anymore. We tore it all down. But uh, we all crammed in up there. there were, I mean, when I say crammed in, there were like 25 of us, but we were crammed in, and we did a Passover dinner. And uh, it is a neat thing to do. If we ever do it again, I will bring in a Jewish Christian person who really understands how to put together a Seder meal and walk us through because every single part of the Passover meal is pointing us to something about Jesus. It's not just the lamb. It's every single part from a boiled egg to a, to a, pile, a, a, a little pile of horseradish. It's all pointing us to Jesus. And it's a phenomenal thing. It's found in the book of Exodus. You don't have to you don't have to actually have some Jewish scholar come in to do it. You can go read it. But to get a really good understanding, it's a, it's a different way of doing that. So that's a great thing to read. He's the deliverer. If you can't see the deliverer as they're being delivered from the slavery of Egypt and set out to go toward the promised land, if you can't see the deliverer in that thing, you're you're not reading the book very well. Uh, and then, of course, the high priest is all right there in Exodus. Um, in Leviticus, uh, we have the high priest and the sacrifice. The sacrifices are all pointing us to Jesus. And there's, there's more than just the one sacrifice. You know, the, the wonderful sacrifice that gets overlooked often is the one that has... It's a term that we use a lot, colloquially. Am I saying that right? Colloquially. Uh, but we don't uh, we don't um, always put it together with the scripture, and that is the scapegoat, right? Where the the guilt is put off onto the scapegoat, and the scapegoat is sent out. And we use that as a terminology, like the scapegoat, you know. But it is literally a Bible term, and it's pointing us to Jesus. And you'll see all these 
as we get into those sacrifices. And the way to approach God, coming into the Holy of Holies, is established here. Uh, how, how we approach God. Because if we read Leviticus and understand how to approach God, we will pray differently. You know, we, we often pray... When I say we, of course, I'm talking about myself, right? We often pray almost irreverently. We pray as if we're no longer even speaking to the God of creation, the God of heaven, the Savior of the world. We just, uh, I mean, back, those of you, who, this is going to show you my age and, uh, and my upbringing somewhat, but do you guys ever remember Sanford and Son? You remember, you remember that old show? All right, that goes way back. Most of you don't know it. It's it's totally politically incorrect. It wouldn't be allowed to be on television today. Uh, but anyway, it was uh, two 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 black guys, a dad and a son. But anyway, uh, I say all that to say he always or often referred to the man upstairs or the big man upstairs. And we would, as I got saved, I recognized that that was not right. Having said that. All we did was change the verbiage, but sometimes our approach is the same. And I'm not suggesting that you can't talk to God as a human being. Uh, I mean, as we're human beings, that we don't talk. I mean, the truth is, I don't get on my knees to talk to God all the time. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, when we're out setting up for TNT and there's clouds coming in, I don't have anything to do with 70 kids if we can't be outside and I often have a conversation with God. And it does, doesn't sound much different than the way I'm talking to you right now. Lord, you know, it would be really helpful if you keep the rain away because you know what we're trying to do tonight. And we can't really do it if it's raining. And that's kind of what my conversation sounds like. But are we coming the right way? Recognizing who he is and who we are and why we have the opportunity to come in. Leviticus will help us out there. Um, you get into Numbers Numbers has another story I left out of here, so we'll get there. Pillar of cloud by day and fire by night and all that. The tabernacle. All the parts of the tabernacle are pointing us to Jesus. You ought to do a study of the tabernacle sometime. The tabernacle is a great study, and so much that is in the tabernacle is just pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus. Uh, so that you have the three parts of the tabernacle, and the, the great part is that holy of, the, of holies, right, where, where sits uh, the um, mercy seat, and the blood is placed upon the mercy seat, and the Shekinah glory of God comes down upon the mercy seat, and wow, it's just, it's a phenomenal portion. But there's another story, uh, and oh, the rock, uh, you, you know, the, the rock, now, I, I want to warn you about this, okay, so as we're reading through these things, yes, see God, and yes, see Jesus, but be careful not to see Jesus where God doesn't put him. Do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Let's not just say, oh, oh I, I, Pastor said I'm supposed to look for Jesus, and before you know it, we're, we're making things out of the Scripture that aren't there. You know, sometimes all that's there is what's there. Almost 100% of the time, when God is showing us Jesus, he, he tells us, I'm showing you Jesus. Now, he may not tell us right there, but he tells us, as we continue the story, he points us back. So in this story in Numbers, we have Moses walking over to a rock, and you know the people are, are dying of thirst, they're thirsty, and they're whining, griping, complaining, Moses, give us water. 
And God says, Moses, go hit that rock. And he hits the rock, and water comes gushing out, and everybody gets to drink. And remember Jesus literally in John chapter 4 says to the woman at the well, I am this living water. If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink, right? And it's that wonderful thing. So then, a little later on, Moses and the children of Israel wander around for a while because, remember, they refused to go in the promised land. So they're just wandering around waiting for everybody to die so they can go in the promised land. And they come back to this rock. And guess what? They're thirsty again. And there they are. And, and uh, God says to Moses, speak to the rock. But Moses is frustrated because the people are whining, griping, complaining, and, you know, making him miserable. And what does Moses do? He hits the rock twice. Now, God is faithful. Water still comes out. But God has said to Moses, speak to the rock. Why? Because Jesus is the lamb who dies once. He is smitten once for the sins of the world. He's not smitten and smitten and smitten and smitten. He doesn't die again and again and again and again. This is why we, have, we take umbrage about Christ being left on the cross. Do you understand? Uh, because Christ isn't currently suffering for the sins of mankind. He died once, and at the end of that, he said, it is finished. It was a one-time thing, right? And so, you know, when we have a cross, it's without Christ hanging on that cross because he's not currently suffering for the sins of mankind. Uh, and there are those who do believe that his suffering continues, and that's just simply not true. So that's, this is that great example, right? And it was so important that what did God do with Moses? Say what? Banned him from going into the promised land. It's a big deal, right? Because it was messing up the picture. The picture is he's once smitten and the water of life comes out. And all you have to do from that point forward is say, can I have some more water? All you have to do is, is speak to the rock from that point forward. He's already been smitten. And Moses messed up the picture. No, 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 you can't do this. And so it was a big deal. Also in Numbers, I left it out of there, is, is the story of the serpent. And you remember the children of Israel uh, were, guess what they were doing? Complaining. You know, that's kind of the, the way they go. And, uh, and God sends serpents as their, as their judgment. And they're being bitten by serpents and, the, and dying. By serpents meaning snakes. And they're dying. And um, so God says to Moses, and I, I struggled with this until you read John chapter 3. It doesn't make sense. God says to Moses, take a piece of brass, shape it like one of those serpents, and put it on a pole and tell the people that if they will look to that serpent after they've been bitten, then they won't die. And you're like, what? Well, John chapter 3, then Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, put on a pole, put on a cross. And why is he a serpent? That was the part that struggles, is a struggle. Until you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, He, the Father, hath made him, the Son, to be sin for us. So the very thing which is destroying us, he's like, oh, we look to the one who has been made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God. What a beautiful picture of Christ. 
That's numbers. I've got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Deuteronomy. Uh, this is another thing. It's the, often we think Old Testament people didn't get it. You know, they just didn't understand, and that's why we kind of like the New Testament. That's where we live. We do currently live in the New Testament. You know that, right? We're, we're a New Testament church. We are. And so we're still living in the New Testament. And so that's why we kind of gravitate to it. But uh, sometimes we think the Old Testament people just didn't get it. But that's not true. Uh, Moses, in, in Deuteronomy, there's two verses where the word prophet is capitalized. I'm not going to tell you where they are. You have to do some research here. Uh, they're toward the end of the book, and they're both in the same chapter. I'll give you that hint, all right? And, and the word prophet is capitalized because Moses is saying, you think I'm a prophet? There is a greater prophet coming, and it's capitalized because he's talking about Jesus. And we see this clearly when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, when the Bible talking about Moses, who by faith forsook the riches of Egypt, for the reproaches of, may I know what the word is? Christ. Of Christ. Moses understood about Jesus. He understood that there was a prophet coming, a great lawgiver coming, that was going to make Moses look like nobody. And he's like, there's a great prophet coming. And he's telling the people about Jesus all along. Okay, then we get into the books of history. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Uh, those are the books of history. Um, this is just the first half of them. Uh, all of the other books contain history too, right? I mean, Genesis has history in it. Even Psalms has history in it. Uh, it's not that they don't have history, but uh, these are categorized because primarily they're giving us a historical account of the nation of Israel. All right? So they're called the books of history. But in the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua is ready to go over and to battle, do battle with Jericho. And someone appears to Joshua. Do you remember that? And look at it as you're reading it. It's capitalized. The captain of the host. Jesus is face-to-face with Joshua. And uh, we, we get this victorious leader shown to us. Judges. Uh, as Jesus is pointed out as the judge, the lawgiver, the deliverer. Ruth, the kinsman redeemer is enough. To, if, if, you, if you only get two things that you're going to go back and read, read about the Passover and read about the kinsman redeemer. The book of Ruth is only four chapters. You can read through the whole thing. It's an amazing thing. But the kinsman redeemer is phenomenal. Uh, so Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, are going back. Uh, all of the men in their lives have died, right? And so their inheritance is on the line. And uh, they, they have to, in order to, be, to regain their inheritance, they need a, redeem, a kinsman redeemer. It has to be someone who is related to them. Is the only person who is allowed to redeem their inheritance. Now, the picture is this. At the garden, Adam and Eve lost the inheritance of a relationship with God, of eternal life, Death came upon them. And in order to regain that inheritance, they have to have someone who is related to them. This is huge. This is why Jesus took upon himself the form of man and became human. Because it was required of the Redeemer to be one of us. 
a huge thing. It's required by the law back there in Leviticus, and it's fulfilled, a picture of it in, in Ruth, and is of course fulfilled in the New Testament. Ruth is a beautiful picture of that kinsman redeemer. And it's all driven because Boaz loves Ruth, right? It's all driven by his love for him. So the great lover, the great protector, the kinsman redeemer, spoken to of to for us there. Got to hurry. I'm running out of time. First uh, Samuel, anointed prophet, priest, true uh, claimant of the scepter of Judah. That's a huge thing. The throne of David is just a phenomenal thing that I never, I, if I don't think I will understand it ever. I don't. This is an amazing thing. It already amazes me that God looks at David, who's a murderer and an adulterer, and declares David to also be a man after God's own heart. That's a phenomenal thing. That's God's grace and mercy working, and God, his, his willingness to deal with our sin. That's just incredible. But what's phenomenal is that God establishes David's throne forever. And the Bible declares that Jesus himself will spend eternity seated on the throne of David. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise given to David that his throne will be established forever. I can't imagine, I can't imagine the honor paid to David that the Son of God is seated on the throne of David for all eternity. Great picture. It's a great picture of Jesus as we're kind of going through it. Uh, 2 Samuel, uh, son of David, who is greater than David, and uh, so we, we see that picture of Christ there. Then we have the rest of history books, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, um, let's skip past some of these. You have to read through those. If you want copies of these, just ask Miss Faith to email you a copy or whatever, make you a copy. She can do that. It's not a problem. You don't have to take pictures of them. Some of you are trying to take pictures. But um, get down to Ezra Nehemiah. I love this. You know, look at this. He is the restorer of that which has broken, been broken down. The walls and the temple, the temple in Ezra, the walls in Nehemiah have been broken down. And the great picture. Look, anybody have any, any walls in your life that kind of need to be rebuilt? Can we point to you the great, the great restorer of these things is Jesus, and that's the picture that we see throughout those books. Then we get to Esther. You know, Esther, who uh, we have this great advocate in, and, uh, in Mordecai, and in Esther herself, uh, as God has brought her to this place for just such a time as this. And we see this uh, coming, coming between, coming between the destruction of Israel, you know, and and helping to to rescue that. That was Esther and Mordecai. Israel is destined to be destroyed by the king's decree, and they step in, the great advocate. And then we get over to First John chapter two, and we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Remember that verse. And uh, what a great thing. So then we get to the books of poetry. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Those are the books of poetry. When you read them, they don't sound poetic to us, uh, but they are poetic in their language, the Hebrew language. Uh, but we see some wonderful things. In Job, this is another amazing thing. It's an amazing, Job's a great story, but probably to me, the greatest thing in the book of Job is one verse. 
in which Job declares something. Now remember, what, what we know about the book of Job. Tell me what is true about the book of Job. It is the oldest book of the Bible. Job lived back when Abraham was alive. Now Moses wrote the first book of the Bible, Genesis, but he wrote it hundreds of years after Abraham was dead and gone. Job is living during the time of Abraham, and that's when this book is written. So it's the oldest book of the Bible. And listen to what Job says. If we think that the Old Testament people didn't get it, listen to what Job says. I know that my Redeemer liveth. That's from Job. The very, old, the very first book of the Bible written. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And it gets better. Because then he goes on to say, and this is the part that's amazing. He goes on to say, and I know that I will stand in the flesh before him. Job understood the resurrection power of the Redeemer all the way back in the time of Abraham. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I shall stand in the flesh before him. What an incredible statement. Because it seems like from that point forward in the Old Testament, very few people got it. But they should have gotten it because the oldest book in the Bible already declared it. That Jesus was going to come and be our Redeemer and understand that he was going to have power over death. And, and all of that was there in the book of Job. What a great story. All right. Uh, then Psalms, uh, he's our shepherd, of course, Psalm 23. He's our rock and our fortress, Psalm 27. Our, uh, the Lord is my, uh, let's see. Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? All those things that go through it. He's our rock and our fortress. All these things, these wonderful things that in Psalms telling us about Jesus. Proverbs, the wisdom of God. Jesus literally is the living word, right? He is. John declares from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And it is Jesus. goes right on through. And he is that living word of God. Ecclesiastes, uh, where he is the... Son of David and the wisdom of God and the preacher. Song of Solomon, you know, Song of Solomon is a great book. You know, it's about how God loves us and, and he's that perfect lover and, and we're his bridegroom and, and he goes through that. Then we get into the major prophets. Uh, I've got two minutes to finish this up. So those are capital letters MP because they're major prophets. What makes them major? They're typically longer. That's, that's what makes them major, all right? It's not that they are more important because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? So it's not a matter of importance, but it's called major prophets. So Isaiah, does anybody see Jesus in the book of Isaiah? Remember, remember Isaiah chapter 53? Uh, you know, um, who, shall, who has believed my report and to whom his arm the Lord revealed? Uh, he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. And you get down to verse 9, 10, right in there someplace where uh, the Bible says, God, the Father, shall see the travail of his, the Son's soul, and be satisfied when God's justice is satisfied as his wrath is being poured out upon Jesus and his justice is satisfied. That's why we get to go to heaven, folks. And it's right there in Isaiah chapter 53 and all those things. Jeremiah, uh, the Lamentations, the Man of Sorrows. Jesus is literally referred to the Lamb of Sorrows. Right? Uh, in Ezekiel, you have that four-faced man. You've got uh, all this rebelliousness of Israel and how God is reaching out to them. Also in Ezekiel, by the way, I've got so much to say. So also in Ezekiel, God goes through, um, hey, Egypt, and he talks to Egypt. 
hey, eat him. And he taught, because God has always loved the world. He didn't start loving the world in the New Testament. He's always loved the world. It's just that, you know, uh, he focused on getting his message to the world through Israel. Now he focused on getting his message to the world through the church. But he's always loved the world. And so Ezekiel talks to the to many other nations. It's incredible. And then Daniel, great stories of Daniel, all those things, right? Uh, but it is an amazing thing that an unsaved pagan king says something in Daniel that's hard to imagine about Jesus. He says, wait a minute, how many did we throw in the fiery furnace? Three. Well, I see four, and one of them looks like, what did he say? The Son of God. That's what he said. One of them looked like the Son of God. I mean, this unsaved pagan king sees Jesus in Daniel. Think about that one for a moment. Uh, so you get all of that. Uh, then we have the minor prophets, uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zebedee, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the rest of them are on there. Uh, so Hosea, oh, the patient bridegroom. Remember what happens in Hosea? Anybody remember what the name of Hosea's wife is? The only thing, I was a kid growing up, I grew up on TV, right? So Gomer, when I first, I got saved when I was 16 and I read Gomer, I mean, the only Gomer I knew was Gomer Pyle, right? <laughs> that was the only Gomer I had ever heard of. There's this Gomer in the Bible and she's not a very nice person. She's not. She's a harlot. And God says to Hosea, go and take a harlot for a wife because I'm going to show Israel what it means for me to love them because Israel was being the harlot and he takes her to wife and then she leaves him to go back to her wicked life and God, what does God say to Hosea go bring her back oh what a picture of Jesus isn't that great how many times have we left Jesus and he patiently says come on back what a great picture that's in Hosea. You don't get that anyplace else. You don't get that anyplace else. Read your Old Testament. Joel, the Holy Spirit is spoken to of, of really specifically in Joel, and it's so much so that in Acts it's quoted Joel, you know, where the, the Spirit would come down and your old men would dream dreams and your young men would see visions and all of those things. And uh, Amos, the burden bearer, and Obadiah, the Savior and Judge, and Jonah, of course, the missionary, and that's the, the love of God for the world again, and Micah, the beautiful feet that are there, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, all of these things, wonderful pictures of Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, and telling us all about God. The Old Testament is worth our read. That's all I'm trying to say. Read it again. God, show me yourself. Show me Jesus. And what a joy it is to just get through it. Father, Dismiss it with your blessing. In Jesus' name pray. Amen. God bless you. Kept you late. Get out of here.